Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. I'm a bit miffed on this one. Stayed up late to finish it before bed and then couldn't upload due to technical difficulties. Why does life hate me? Anyway, we've got a lot to cover. Omicron just reached the Andromeda Galaxy, I think. Mansions drowning babies in the river. And Dayton, Ohio, of all places, may be the first to get elections right. Let's dig in. Quick shout out to our Tier 3 patrons, Shay Meehan and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these advocates of humanity first and independent journalism, head on over to patreon.com slash yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. Are we there yet? Yes, we are. About three-fourths of new COVID cases in the U.S. are now Omicron variant, according to weekly lab tests. It's reached this level about three times faster than Delta did, likely primarily because it's much more effective at circumventing infection firewalls from dated vaccine shots or prior infection. Despite hopeful rumors, there's still no good evidence of how severity of illness stacks up to Delta. Some reports had suggested fewer hospitalizations and deaths, but it was in a young population along with numerous other biasing factors. As always, it's hard to get a clear picture. There's also the distinction of illness for the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated, as any change in severity may differ dramatically between those two. For the foreseeable future, a less deadly strain becoming dominant is likely our best hope for blunting the pandemic, since vaccination will clearly never reach levels sufficient to eradicate the virus. With Omicron, all we know for now is that it is far more infectious. Some legislative news, the U.S. House has passed the Protect Our Democracy Act with the Voter Choice Act attached as an amendment. The VCA is the bill that provides federal funding for localities to switch to ranked choice voting. The larger POTA bill makes a range of changes aimed at preventing presidential abuse of power, such as banning self-pardons, revoking immunity to criminal prosecution while in office, making it harder to accept bribes, and various other face-to-palm levels of how how do we not already have this? Basically, it's a laundry list of plugging holes in the law that Trump exploited in office and which it would be good to have plugged before he potentially returns to the White House. And for that reason, the GOP will likely block it in the Senate. 50 mayors from across the U.S. have signed a letter urging Congress to extend the CTC improvements. Nothing new in the letter, but it can't hurt. Unfortunately, the bigger news is that everyone's least favorite sock puppet, Joe Manchin, recently went on Fox and told the world that he will not support the Build Back Better bill, which Democrats have been trying to haggle him into for months. This means they have missed their self-imposed Christmas deadline for passing the bill. Manchin trotted out the same old BS he's been pushing, objecting to the cost despite having just voted for a much more expensive increase to military spending, pushing inflation fears despite economists advising that the bill would lower inflation, even claiming that commitments to green energy will somehow increase our dependence on foreign supply chains despite that fossil fuels are among our oldest and greatest dependencies, making us beholden to warlords and civil rights abusers in the Middle East that we have literally fought wars over. 
In short, his arguments, as usual, were a load of horse dookie. It's no secret that he's been paid by lobbyists to strike down multiple ailments within the BBB, as he has literally admitted to on video being coached by them on how to attack such legislation, specifically by doing exactly what he's been doing, claiming it's too expensive rather than objecting to any of the actual policy. Biden's press secretary responded that Manchin had just submitted a written outline for a bill of similar size, scope, and priorities to Biden right before this announcement, further undermining his statement. Manchin sinking the bill was always a possibility specifically heightened by the House passing his desired infrastructure bill, removing what little leverage they had to coerce his support against the objections of progressives. It's unclear what the path forward will be from here, whether more cuts will be made to the bill to appease Manchin, or if some of the items in the bill might be pulled out as separate bills. The Biden administration say they will continue to try and negotiate with him. Most expectations were that the bill would pass in some form. Manchin's flat refusal has led economic growth forecasts to be cut by around 33% in the first quarter of 2020. 2022, citing in particular the loss of the CTC, which Goldman Sachs calls the most important question for the near-term outlook. So again, make clear to your representatives that for their sake as well as the country's, the CTC improvements must be extended even if Build Back Better fails. Yang wrote a brief essay lamenting this development and the partisan obstruction that got us here, it would be easier to hold these senators accountable for opposing measures such as the CTC if it weren't stuffed into a giant legislative package if we could have a vote on each of them separately. Shoving everything into one bill may combine the collective will of everyone who wants even one element of it to pass, but it does the same for the opposition and makes erroneous attacks based on cost easy to manufacture. Popular policies like the CTC should pass independently, but of course Manchin doesn't like it, and the GOP will oppose it purely because Democrats are currently in power, and that fatalist partisan obstruction is what makes Manchin the gatekeeper. Somebody should really reform this crap system. Again, we have evidence that the child allowance reduces child poverty by 40%, hunger by 25%, improves health and education, doubles entrepreneurship among parents, and pays for itself eight times over. There is no downside. If it is not made permanent, it will be incontrovertible proof of human stupidity. All that evidence is in a thread in the links, by the way. Moving on, Yang will be visiting Houston for a live in-person Q&A on January 17th, but it is not cheap. Lowest price of entry is 70 bucks. Still, if anyone in the area has been desperate to see him, now's your chance. Finally, if we have any listeners living in Dayton, Ohio, or who know someone who is, Fair Vote, the Libertarian Party, and more are currently gathering support for a petition to revise the city charter for better elections. In fact, they want to do what I would do, eliminate primary elections altogether and use non-plurality voting in a single general election. As we've discussed before, this is because primaries, whether open or not, always have low voter turnout. They result in a small, disproportionately extreme portion of the population choosing the candidates before the larger population get involved, and then everyone complains about being stuck with a lesser of evils situation and feel like democracy isn't working. 
Obviously, voters would be wise to participate in the primaries, but efforts toward that end have been unsuccessful for many decades. In Dayton's case, the primaries are already open, jungle, nonpartisan, or whatever other term, meaning it's a single primary with no party affiliation. Basically, just a general election before the general election. Yet, Dayton's system only advances the top two candidates to the general, meaning these particular nonpartisan primaries are really just another way to protect the duopoly, as the top two will always be from the dominant parties. This is just one more reason to do away with primaries altogether. There are so many terms and ideas for modifying the primaries that it's very confusing for voters and they might end up with something like Dayton's system which only provides the illusion of improvement. No primary at all is simple, effective, and cannot be gamed. That's why I'd propose it, and that's why these organizations are proposing it for Dayton. In addition, the petition also makes some minor changes that remove barriers to ballot access and removes the nominating committees that simply select replacements for politicians who are unable to finish their terms, which is completely undemocratic. I agree with all of these changes. I wish Forward Party would adopt these policies, and I would love to see more petitions and amendments like this across the country. Remember, if you can get enough signatures, in most cities and states, you can get your elections changed via citizens' petition. And organizations like Fair Vote and Represent Us can help. Let's spread this solution. And that'll do it for today's Yang Daily. Bookmark and share the Omicron update, RCV and the presidential abuse restrictions passing the House, the mayor's letter on the CTC, Manchin obstructing the BBB, and the Dayton petition for no more primaries, flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the easy volunteer contacts below. If you need help, consult the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way. And don't forget to Yang Daily.